Good morning. You're listening to Caregiver Crossing, a podcast brought to you by Joy's House. We're really happy that you're here. If you don't know already, we do want to tell you that Caregiver Crossing is a podcast that was created just for you, the caregiver. I'm Tina McIntosh. I'm Terry Stacy. We're here every week with experts across the country to provide, to provide, I should say, some comfort and resources and a whole lot of joy to our caregivers. The podcast serves to embrace family caregivers of today and also for tomorrow. So thank you all so much for being here. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Tina? Well, we are going to talk about Alzheimer's and dementia today and how that gets diagnosed. And so let's just do a little introduction here and talk about a recent study by the Alzheimer's Society. They found that over half, 56% of people surveyed, they put off seeking a dementia diagnosis when they're suspect for up to a year or more. And according to the World Health Organization, 55 million people live with dementia worldwide And there are nearly 10 million new cases each year, 10 million new cases each year. Um, We are so excited about who's joining. But before we talk about that, we do want to say that the leading dementia charities are warning that there is a lack of diagnosis and that denies many of these people the chance of getting the best possible treatment, the information, the support, you know, all that that you need. And there's evidence that shows that the earlier on that you receive all of those, the better your chance of living well for longer. It also means that thousands of people are not being enabled to plan for the future while they still have the capacity to make those important decisions. And so on the show with us here today is someone that I trust. I mean, let me put it this way. I trust with the care of my own family members. Like I deeply love and admire and respect this man. And to say that he is an exceptional physician is a grand understatement. He's a longtime friend of Joy's house. It's Dr. Patrick Healy, and he is a geriatric medicine specialist in Indianapolis with over 39 years of experience in the medical field. We are just so happy that you're here. So Dr. Healy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Tina. Um, it's really an honor to be here. Um, and, and, and if I can, I want to give an un, un, unsolicited plug for something called Joy's House. <laughs> and I love everything about Joy's House from Tina on down. It's the right people doing the right thing for the right time, for the right reasons love you guys you are doing the best yeah the best job for this population and i just love you guys to death so uh sorry about that tina but i had to do it uh you guys are the best okay (laughs) apology accepted (laughs) thank you and the the feelings mutual and i trust that dr healy if we ever do anything to step out of line at joy's house 
you will help get us back on the right track. So I know that you're <laughs> proud of what we're doing. Um, we have so many questions and I, I, I'm going to be surprised if we fit all of this into one segment, but Terry, I know you and I have talked for years on caregiver crossing about dementia and diagnoses. And I guess, I think it's important to start with what questions do you have? The questions I have are when it comes to testing, it seems like, oh, every year we hear more about, well, if you can't now, now, if you can't smell peanut butter, you know, now that might be a sign that you've got a dementia. So we're here, you know, from time to time and you start to think what's true, what's not true. Have the signs of dementia changed at all over the last 10 years? Well, no, the, the, the signs and symptoms haven't changed, but I think the public's awareness of it has significantly improved. And there's a lot more information in the literature um, on the internet um, that, you know, regarding the symptoms, and that's not a bad thing. So loss of smell is one of those factors that sometimes can indicate that there is, you know, the risk of dementia is higher, uh, but there are a lot of reasons people lose sense of smell besides dementia. Um, but I think there is more awareness, clearly. And those signs are at this time. Yeah, the best thing for me, uh, of course, you know, loss of memory um, is probably the hallmark. Um, and generally, it's more short-term memory than long-term memory. But oftentimes, people who have dementia, it's not just memory, okay? It's their ability to make decisions. It's their ability to initiate uh, activities. They, 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 they may have personality changes. They may be more irritable, more, more anxiety-prone. They may make bad decisions. Uh, they may get lost while driving. So it's not just memory. Memory is certainly a part of the diagnosis, but it often goes way beyond. Anything the brain can do could be the initiating symptom. Um, and one reason why we want to get on this early is because um, the symptoms are, there's a lot of different symptoms that can start you down the way towards the diagnosis of dementia. It's not just memory. Well, and a lot of different kinds of dementia. I mean, what, what did I hear at last count? Like 400 or some absurd number? <laughs> Well, there's certainly, yeah, it's, it's it, you know, it's a large, large number of potential diagnoses, most of whom are very, very rare that are only seen in research settings. Um, but, but, the, but the list is potentially quite long. And I think sometimes there's a feeling that all dementia is Alzheimer's, um, but it's not. Alzheimer's might be the most common, um, but there's an awful lot of other types of dementia, each of which looks different. They are, they're very much different. I think that's the hard part. And, you know, how many people that we've all known over the years that say, you know, my husband just seems to keep repeating things or keep losing his keys or, you know, those very common things, but that's just him. And then a lot of caregivers end up compensating for their loved one. And so what advice do you have to caregivers who think that maybe somebody in their life is, it should be checked out? Yeah, and that's such a hard topic because some of the things, some of the first symptoms are what, you know, as I'm um, uh, close to entering my eighth decade, some of this demonstrates some of this stuff, you know, short-term memory, repeat things. Um, but when it becomes obvious that it's affecting day-to-day -day function and it's more than just, you know, sort of what we call uh, senior moments, then it, it really needs to be checked out. 
Um, and there's no right or wrong time, but I think as a geriatrician, whenever anything begins to affect your function, then it needs to be looked at. Um, and, and, and basic screening should be done early and, and not postpone it. Um, now, part of the problem is those of us who have memory problems are very sensitive to that. And, um, you know, it, it's a very personal thing when you accuse someone of having memory problems and um, you, but you need to take it very seriously. Doctor, is there any, any news on what we can do when it comes to prevention? Can we eat better? I mean, is it more fruits? Is it I mean, whatever's good for our brain, right? I mean, fish oil or whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. But is there is there ways to slow down that progression at this point in 2022? Yeah, a couple of couple of observations. Uh, it's a very good question. Number one, the only thing that we have proven that can post- postpone the onset of dementia is actually physical exercise. Um, um, that's the number one thing. Number two, um, we often use the phrase, what's good for your heart is good for your brain. Um, The cardiovascular risk factors, those seven risk factors that my generation certainly uh, almost grew up with, and certainly the greatest generation, the current uh, generation of 80-year-olds did not. And that's sedentary lifestyles, diabetes, smoking, central obesity, uh, those sorts of things. That is you know, those two are probably the biggest thing, physical activity and those cardiovascular risk factors um, um, and, you know, modifying them are the best ways to postpone it. And if you look at the boomers compared to the greatest generation, and I say the word greatest generation because they have earned it, we have been exposed to those. And while the numbers of folks diagnosed with dementia is going up, the actual incidence, the actual new cases in the boomer uh, the segment of the population is actually lower because people are postponing the onset of this disease. And it's largely because of the risk factors, physical activity, keeping your weight stable. Um, and, 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 but yeah, of course, being socially and culturally um, um, active is certainly very, very important. So yes, prevention does play a role. All right, so here's a question for you. Home screenings. People, you know, you can Google anything and do a home screening of some sort. Do you, Dr. Pat Healy, think that home screenings are beneficial or do we need to get our loved ones into a clinic such as yours to have them tested? Yeah, so I've never been a fan of of, um, home screening or um, like, you know, screening in health fairs. Um, because you don't have any backup. You don't have, if you, if you score poorly um, and don't have anyone to interpret it for you, um, that may cause unnecessary anxiety. Um, so I, I'm not a big fan of screening. I am a, a screening at home. I am a big fan of screening with somebody who is um, um, well, a professional, someone who yes. is just passionate, who is not a member of the family, and then who can then interpret those results. Um, I, I think it may cause unnecessary. Again, you have to do these testing correctly. There, you know, we all are trained on how to do this correctly, and there's a lot of ways you can misinterpret home testing that may lead to un- unnecessary um, um, anxiety. Now, I am a huge fan of the Medicare wellness visit. 
all right? And, and in, in many cases, the nurses or whoever is doing that will do a screening test. That is, I think, a really good idea, especially if there are maybe some signals that, that things might be a little bit awry. But no, I, I, I would hold off. It's, it's not like a pregnancy test or a COVID test. Uh, it's a little more complicated than that. Is that, is that helpful? Yeah, I'm only <laughs> at that because, you know, every time I take a COVID test, it does flash me back to pregnancy testing. But <laughs> I know what you're saying. So let me give you a real life scenario. And this happened actually this morning um, before we have to close here. I got a phone call from a dear friend of mine, um, someone I've known for 20 some years. And I've heard rumor that some things are going on potentially with her memory. And she left me a voicemail. I called her back this morning and she answered and she recognized me. And we had a lovely conversation. And I said something about, I'm following up on the voicemail that you sent to me the other day. And she hesitated. And I said, do you recall leaving me a voicemail? And she said, um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. And I said, okay. But in our conversation, she repeated the same story to me at least two times, if not three. And so at this point, Dr. Healy, I'm sitting here thinking I need to call her daughter and just kind of report in. Is that a fair thing for me to do as somebody who loves her? Oh, I think that's very fair. Um, I think that's, I think you're doing, uh, you're doing a good service. Um, I think that oftentimes we can just slough off obvious memory issues. Um, but the, the context, the context of that is worrisome. And I think yeah. you, you're doing the right thing by very kindly, the daughter, no doubt has noticed it before, but I think you need to you need to say something in a very nice way. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Dr. Patrick Healy is with us. Before we let you go, if someone wants to get tested or to learn more about how the testing process works, how long will it take to get the answer that they're looking for? Um, how do they get in touch with you? Well, I mean, there's lots of different ways to be tested. Uh, I'm not the only one in town doing it. Um, but I think that you start with the primary care physician. Uh, because the primary care physician often can do the initial testing or can refer, whether it's to my clinic or, you know, the Health Aging Brain Center down at um, Eskenazi or the, uh, the center of the HATS group at, at Community North. Um, so I think that, you know, go through the primary doctor first. I think that's the best way to do it. I mean, you know, we have the St. Vincent Center for Healthy Aging um, and we do take referrals from physicians and also from, you know, from people who call in, but I, I think it's best that the primary care is aware that, you know, that there, there is some concern because they can do some, they can do some initial testing that can be very, very helpful. And doctor, we are living in a world of um, second opinions. If you get one opinion, do, would you advise then to maybe get a second opinion? Yeah. So I think if it's, you know, again, if you're not comfortable with the diagnosis, I mean, and I, I am never offended when someone seeks a second opinion, or if someone comes to me for a second opinion, you know, one of the problems with the diagnosis of dementia is we do not have a pregnancy test, or we do not have a, you know, blood sugar test. We do not have what we call a biomarker. You have the disease. We, we get, we, we make the diagnosis from the, mostly from the history, also the testing, 
some blood tests, maybe some imaging. So we don't have a test, yes or no, you have it. And that, that's coming, it's not there yet. Well, I would also remind folks if, um, if you are thinking, well, I really, my PCP is not the right way to go, but I'd like to get in touch with Dr. Pat Healy, his team or others in Indiana, feel free to email me at tina, T-I-N-A, at joyshouse.org. Also interested in what you want to hear from Caregiver Crossing. So before Terry closes us by sharing our dear friends at AARP and their support, I just want to say, Dr. Healy, I know you're in demand and you're busy and you're wonderful. You're handsome. Do you want me to go on? Should I go on? (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. All right, Terry. This is a pleasure for me. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Caregiver Crossing, supported by AARP. They're leading a revolution in the way people view and live life after 50. They're one of our fantastic sponsors, and we love that they're working to empower people to choose how they live as they age. Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope to come back. We'll be here next week. Take care of each other.